dear listeners, thank you for tuning in on the very first episode of Vinyl City Indie Hour, an NSR fan podcast where we talk all things No Straight Roads. I'm talking characters, I'm talking music. If it exists in the NSR world, we will talk about it. And we're not just talking about in-game stuff either. We'll also talk about the lovely community, the fan works made that were inspired by the game, and all things uh, content, fan-made content. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. I think it's appropriate to start off this episode by answering this question. How did we get into this game? So with some first, with some minor introductions, my name is Steph, it's short for Stephanie, and here's my lovely co-host, Angel. Hi. Hello. So, Angel, why don't you walk through, um, how did you get into this game, since you were the first one to really be into this game before I was? Okay. So, it was a very late night, say around, like, 3 a.m., 5 a.m., somewhere around there. I was having some trouble falling asleep. So, I just said heck it and I pulled out my phone and went on YouTube and looked at the recommendations and lo and behold I I was recommended the Sayu boss fight and let me know this was three months like a few months before the game fully released so I watched the video entirely I listened to the Sayu bass track I looked up what the game was about and, you know, like, what platforms it was going to be on. And I was like, okay, as soon as this game comes out, I am going to play it. I'm not going to watch any trailers because I want to go in as blind as possible. So I got for the Nintendo Switch. I played, I had, I had some issues with the, the bosses, not going to lie. I'm not the best when it comes to video games, but I managed to play through it. And I fell in love with it immediately. And let me tell you, like, to this day, I still love the game and I got this huge brain rot for it. It's like, I don't think I've ever <laughs> felt like this before for any other franchise in my entire life, which is saying something. Because I do have my fair share of hyperfixations. That is interesting. And is there anything you else want to say that, of how you got into the game? Or would you say that the rest is history from that point? I'd say I think the fandom also helped me, you know, really, really love this game. Because seeing the fan art, the headcanons, the fan fiction, the, the videos, like everything like this community has brought out, like it just, it just made my love for this game grow even more. And I honestly am grateful for that. For that. Grateful for that. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. I guess it would be my turn to talk about how did I get in the game. Yep. So, it's basically Angel's fault. It's a combination <laughs> of Angel's fault, the fan art, and this one video. But I'll get back to that. So, let me set the stage for how I fell into this rabbit hole of the NSR. Basically, let's set the scene. It was late December, early January. I'm 
at this point in my life, I was recovering from top surgery. This was my very first surgery I've ever done. And I was extremely nervous about it, but thankfully everything went well and I got to go home. When I came home, I started noticing on my Twitter that Angel started retweeting a bunch of fan art for this game. I saw fan art of Eve, I saw fan art of Bump at Junction, I saw fan art of Tenten. All of this fan art was just amazing. I was like, whoa, these characters have such great design. Where are they from? So I look at the characters and I do a Google search and I see that they're from this game called No Straight Roads. And I'm like, oh, this looks cool. So a week or two goes by and I get recommended a video from No Straight Roads. It's a fan, so this is the video in question that also got me into the fandom. This video was a fan animation uh, his name is drawing a blank, and I'm so sorry, but he made a fan animation of the moment where Bunk Ben Junction were confronting Ten Ten, and it's specifically the moment where Mayday was like, "You're just jealous because all these pretty boys are fawning over me," <laughs> and that fan animation was spectacular. I like that he took the 2D art style but like made it his own and it was like yo i wish this was a cartoon again i was thinking like is this a cartoon but then i realized no it's from that game so i caved in and i saw the cutscenes. i am at, at this point in my life i didn't think oh you know this you know this uh cuts um i'm probably not gonna be like addicted to this game it's not gonna become a hyperfixation. <laughs> little did she know that was very wrong. I saw all the cutscenes and I fell in love with the game. I love the story. I love the characters. I love the music. Every, all the songs are bangers. But that the story goes on from there. What happened next was that, like, again, I'm bedridden at this point, so I couldn't really do anything physically. But my mom felt bad that I couldn't really do anything. Like, I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't, like, I could draw, but not for long periods of hours, because it would be, like be a strain on my back and my chest. So my mom gave me some like late Christmas money, and she was like, "Oh, uh, why don't you buy a video game? I know you like playing like on the Switch." But I was at this point, I was kind of getting fatigued over playing Hades and like Animal Crossing back and forth. So I was like, "No, let me buy No Straight Road." So I bought it, but for my brother's PS4. So. I bought the game, I played the game full through, and even though I watched the cutscenes, that didn't stop me from loving the game. Because the cut the specific person I watched the cutscenes from didn't have the DK West sections and they didn't have the DJ Zam section or any of the NPCs. So basically that part those experiences were new to me. So meeting DK West, meeting DJ Zam, meeting all the NPCs. These were very new experiences. And I didn't even know about the collectibles either. So I didn't know about the tape recorder or the flash drives or the photographs. So when I played the game and, you know, did all the collected, all the collectibles, uh, met all the NPCs, played the boss fights uh, over and over, it was over. At this point, this game has became my new addiction. This game inspired me. This became my new hyperfixation in the sense that this was going to consume my 
like this was gonna consume my imagination and dreams for the next couple of months. Like at first I thought, oh, it's just gonna be a couple of weeks. We are in July and I had plushies made of the characters. I bought the game again for the Nintendo Switch solely for the fact that I could get the art book. I am this close to like commissioning like fan art of my self-insert in Zimbo. It's like this game has inspired me so much and I'm word vomiting, but that's how I got into the game. Basically a combination of the fan art you retweeted, that and a fan animation, and finally experiencing the game on my own and like loving how charming this cute indie platformer was. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you, Angel. Like, you, you're the one who, like, dragged me in the hole. I'm like, oh, oh, no, Angel, are you okay? Uh, do you want me to get you out of that hole? You just take my leg, and now we're both stuck in the hole. I'm taking you down with me. <laughs> and, uh, but it's not a bad thing. This, this fandom's amazing, and I love this community. <laughs> me too. Honestly, it it's it's amazing. Even as small as an of a community it is it's still just there's there's no words to describe it it's like amazing like i could I, I, i'm like a broken record it, it it's just amazing like how small the fandom is but they just make so much stuff related to this game and, and they're still going like usually with like a certain popular game comes out like of course, you're gonna have like artists draw fan art of it, and then they immediately like lose interest and move on to something else. No, with like most of the community, like they're still going with this stuff, and I just find that both impressive and just just inspiring to me. True words, I, I cannot agree more. And the fact that the game's not even a year old at this point. Again, we are recording this as of July first. Like, I know I don't want to date this, but the fact that, like, I just want to put that out there, that the game is almost a year. We still got a little under two months before this game reached the year mark, the anniversary of its full up, full release. And it's amazing. Like, I feel like it's because this game had a following even before the game came out. Like, when people started seeing the demos, like, with the mother and child boss fight, and the fact that you know, when people start seeing, like, the concept bar and then, like, the trailers at the packs and all that stuff, it, the fandom just grew and grew. Well, it isn't, like, big, like, like, tr other, tr like, like, well, not others, but, like, AAA games, I like that it's small where it kind of feels like everyone knows each other and it's kind of like one big family. Like, even though not everyone's going to, um, not everyone gets along. Like no one, no, no, no fandom is perfect. No one is gonna be on the same page with everything. It still feels like if someone, like if someone's struggling, everyone pitches in to like, like oh, donate to their coffee. Oh, um, you know, help them get their Twitter back. Like this is all, it just, it's so nice that this community feels so warm and welcoming and willing to like stand for each other. Yeah, I agree. Like I've never seen a fandom you know, do stuff like that before. 
because like most fandoms are like super big and not everybody knows each other but with with this community like yeah like you said like not everybody's gonna agree with each other and stuff like that but it still feels like everybody is you know friends with each other it's like when somebody is struggling like anybody does what they can that help them out at least a little and that that's just that's just awesome I know right I guess this is the perfect time to transition to our next question yep what which what... is oh you're saying oh the question is what was the main thing that kept us drawn into the game like what sold us onto the game yes that's our ne the next question uh, would you like to go first or should I keep on continue you know what you you go continue Okay, so what really sold me was not just, like, the story, but the dynamic of Mayday and Zook. Like, I like how we're talking about the game, but we never really properly gave it a, like, an like a introduction. We we're just, like, talking about the game. So maybe we should talk about, like, we should give, like, a brief rundown of what the game is. Oh, and yeah. then go back to... Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so... No Straight Roads is an indie action-adventure platformer um, following Bunk Bed Junction, an indie rock duo that wants to take down the EDM empire and bring rock back to the city. So that, in a simple evasion, that is the main story, and the main characters are Mayday and Zook. You play as them, simulta not simultaneously, but you can swap back and forth, with Mayday being the, um, the leader and the guitarist, and Zook being the drummer and, like, the, the voice of reason of the two. So, back to the second question. What was the main thing that kept this drawn into the game? What sold us on this game? Um, for me, I really like Mayday and Zook's dynamic. Like, their character designs and their, like, the way that they're such good best friends. Like, like you could tell that these two known each other and that they would, like... They're the type of friends that they would drag each other to at 3 a.m. just to go to, like, aunties and, like, eat a Romley beggar together. Yeah. And I, uh, to boil it down, they remind me of the duo from my, hands down, my favorite all-time video game. Ever since I was a little kid, Jack and Dexter the Lost, um, the, the Precursor Legacy. The way Mady and Zook act reminds me of Jack and Dexter in the sense that Mayday is like like Daxter where she's loud, she's brash, she's orange, she's the one who would like she's the one that would take charge and then Jack similar to Zook where at least Zook talked being more quieter, more calmer and being like the in, in a sense the voice of reason even though Jack doesn't talk in the first game, he his facial expression said it all. So, like, he he would, similar to, like, Mayday and Zook, Jack would reel in Daxter when they're being a bit too much. And the thing is, playing No Straight Roads gave, made me feel like a seven-year-old, no, a five-year-old, made me feel like a five-year-old. Not in the sense that, like, it's a baby game. In the sense that it takes me back to when I was a kid playing Jack, Jack and Dexter for the PS2. 
and little Stephanie like collecting all the precursor orbs and like beating the bosses one by one. The fact that they're very like their stories are very straightforward and simple, and like it's so easy to collect the collectibles and all that stuff. But that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that oh this game is easy you could totally like 100% it. No, I'm saying that because of how straightforward the story is and how simple it is, I love that with only one game, I'm already in love with these characters and I just want to see more of them. Like, I want, like, similar to Jack and Dexter, I want um, No Straight Rose to get a sequel so we can see more of Mayday and Zook. We need more protagonists like Mayday and Zook in terms of, like, the indie platformer scene because, not to say that it's been dead, but with the rise of, like, first-person shooters or these party games or, like, puzzle games, it can't, it's rare to see an indie platformer game, like an action-adventure platformer, that captures that early 2000s aesthetic of when it was oversaturated. Like, the action-adventure platformer was oversaturated with characters like Ratchet and Clank, Sly Cooper, Spyro, Crash, Sonic, Mario... All these characters took up that genre, but now it'd be even lucky to get a game that has that same vibe without feeling like they're trying too hard or there's like bugs and stuff. Like, I just, man, I just love this game that it captures how simple the story is. It just captures all the things that inspired me as an artist with Jack and Dexter and. It, Jack and Dexter is the reason why I love video games so much. So I like to say that's what kept me sold. The, the duo, the main duo in particular, and the fact that the game gives me those early 2000 vibes of platformers. Yeah, I, I agree so much with you. We really do need games like that. More of them, at least. But... I think the one thing that kept me drawn into this game, it was definitely the cast and, you know, Mayday and Zook's dynamic and stuff like that. But to me, I think it's probably like the world itself, like the aesthetic of it, how the characters are designed, the fact that they have like, you know, unnatural skin colors, like each character is their own color palette. Like, Mayday is, like, warm color, she's orange, she's red, she's yellow, while Zook, who's the cool and calm character, is, you know, blue, black, and green. Like, I, I love, I love, you know, the, I just love the way this game looks. Not just the way the characters look, but also, like, the different districts, too. Like, as soon as I saw Sayu's district, Akusika, like, I was, like, in love with the game's visuals right then and there. It's like, oh my god, like, this this game is like my aesthetic. Like, I love city landscapes, I love bright colors, I love, I just love the way this game looks. Like, seeing all the NSR artists, like, different districts, like how DJ Sumpatonk Supernovas is like all purple and it looks pretty chill. Like, it's space-themed. Sayu, Sayu's district is all bright colors. Like, it, just a bunch of anime references. Yinu's being 
strictly, you know, garden-themed, nature-themed. Like, it, it, it's just flat-out gorgeous. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a game just fit, like, all the things I love visually before. It's like, that that's inspiring. Like, I, I really wish to, you know, make art or anything in general be this beautiful before. The same goes for like the boss fights too. Like with with how um with Ten Ten's boss fight, it just being on like a floating limousine that's also a battleship. Like that that's crazy. Like I don't know how they thought of that, but it, it's genius to me. Or how Eve's boss fight, like how every but every boss was like a concert, but for Eve's it was just straight up her art gallery. There was no audience. It was just Mayday, Zook, and her. Just just fighting in an art gallery. Like, that that's crazy. Oh, I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, like I I fuck I freaking I freaking love the way this game looks. That's like the main reason one of the main reasons I got into it next to the music and the plot in general. Yep. And it's good, it's interesting that you bring up the um, the Mayday like the Mayday and Zubumba Junction versus Eve fight because that's a good segue to our next question, which is, what is our favorite moment in the game? And I'm gonna let you go first. Like, I it's hard because there's so many like noteworthy mm -hmm. moments mm -hmm. that make you laugh, that make you cry, that just it leaves an impact. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna let you go first because I feel like you definitely have like a moment or two you want to like gush about. Yeah. Like th there are so many good moments in this game. It 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 honestly is hard to choose. <laughs> it's like I love this part, but I also love this part, but ugh, um jeez. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first, or do you, or do you borrow what you got your moment? Okay. I think. Hmm. I I think my favorite moment in this game is um. It, it's a it's a. T I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna pick more than one. It, it's gonna be two moments. Yeah. Go off. Um, I think the first moment I'm going to say is, you know, the aftermath of, you know, Yinu's boss fight. <laughs> Where are you going to pick that one? No, no, don't worry. Just, you could go first. And then, like like I said, I, I, my, my moment is similar to that, but I'll, um, I'll let you explain why you like that moment so much. Okay. So, before I got into the game, like, I knew who the bosses were and stuff like that. And when I saw Yinu and her mom, I was like, oh, we got the brat and the Karen who's gonna brag about her child and her successes in life. But nope, this game pretty much told me, you're so wrong. And it's like after the boss fight, like seeing that moment after Yinu's piano getting broken and you know, bunk bed junction and the mom, like, arguing with each other 
and then Yinu continuing to play the broken piano and her mom just turning around and turning back to her normal size and them basically playing the piano together that that was a soul crusher right there like I felt so bad and I really felt bad too because I made the, the assumption that these two were going to be like my least favorite characters or something but nope they're like up there on my list of favorites it's like I feel so bad especially especially with the photographs like geez I wasn't even expecting this game to make me feel for the characters too like I thought that these bosses were gonna be like oh they're parodies of you know the the diva and the d the, the narcissistic DJ sorry and the, the k-pop band and stuff like that but nope like I, I feel for these characters I I'm connected to them I, I love them like I feel so bad especially with Yinu and her mom like if I could apologize I would and you know before Yinu's boss fight and seeing Mayday booing her and just them just bullying this child who's just vibing and just wants to play the piano for her family like it I, I feel bad because we're, we're basically bullying this child who did nothing wrong pretty much and oh my god I want to touch more about it but you said you had a second moment or do you want me to come back to that um let's after? let's come back to that Okay, so I'm also in the same range where that was my favorite moment too, but I, okay, so I have two favorite moments, but I'm going to talk about the second moment later, like after you talk about your moment, but why I like that scene was that the, the subtlety of, it kind of felt like, it, it basically took the elements of what makes a Samurai Jack episode perfect, where you don't, you can make, like how they can make full-on episodes with only maybe one or two words of dialogue. When Mama and Mayday have that back and forth where she's like, oh, you're still talking? Like, that, like, you can feel that even though they, the boss fight's over, they don't have to do it, you can still feel that they're still ready to fight and all that stuff. But it took Inu's, like, playing at the broken, like, plinking away at the broken piano to really snap Mama out of it saying, hey, this is not the time to keep fighting your, like, she needs you right now. Like, cause to give context, you know, before the, the, um, the, uh, the, what, what, what not showdown. What was it? What do you call it? The finishing, when they do the finishing move and it got interrupted by Yinu, Yinu blew up and say, oh, I hate you all. And that includes like Bunk Bed Junction and her mom. So, you know, this was a very, like, high, like, high tension, strain tension between her and her mom that she's, like, she feels, she feels very stifled by her mother. So, having the aftermath where they don't even say anything, she, she just, you know, pulls up to the piano and starts playing along with her. They are silently reconciling over this family heirloom, which to give context and spoilers, like, I don't know why you're listening to a podcast of us gush about the game. If you haven't beaten it, go buy the game. Please support the official release. 
and come back when you um, finish the game. If you look at the collectibles, this this piano definitely belonged to Yinu's father, and this was a prized family heirloom that you know was obviously had such emotional depth to the point where you when you see Yinu, so basically one detail of design I like to think about when this cutscene, so Yinu's eyes are like bright red and pink after the fight and after you like after mayday breaks the piano like smashes it you can see the pink in her eye turn like into a dull like lifeless dark red and i like to think that's like a symbolism because you know as she's falling and feeling helpless she sees the one thing that's like you could say has a spiritual connection between her and her father slip through her fingers and she she didn't want to let go like she would have fell and took that damage if it meant that the piano would have came out fine but you know obviously mama like came in clutch and saved her at the final moment before like falling to the back to the stage and seeing the broken piano you know you could hear it in her voice the heartbreak she's like no and like her running up to the broken piano you can hear the heartbreak in her voice. And that's why Mama was so mad. It's not the fact that, oh, she got defeated by two punk kids. These kids unknowingly broke a family heirloom that belonged to her deceased husband and the father of her child. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Yinu is so broken up about it. Like, she's not paying attention to Yinu, but she, I feel like immediately she, she wakes up, the first thing she probably saw was Yinu distraught at, the, the, at her broken piano. So when Mama's like, "Have you? Do you have any idea what you've done?" It's like, yeah, you can understand. Like playing it for at the, at the first go before collecting the collectibles, you're like, "I don't understand. It's just a piano." Playing it afterwards with the context and the story, you know, the collectibles and the photographs, you're like, "Dang, I am. I, I, I'm. I don't like myself. I broke this girl, this widow, and her child's." family heirloom like I'm, I'm sorry for going off it's just that the emotional depth in this scene and as someone who lost someone very close to her like um like i feel like a lot of people can relate like i didn't lose my father but i lost my grandmother i felt like this was me with like any of her heirlooms like i have these like i think one of my most prized heirlooms from i have two things that remind me of my grandma i have these red i'm gonna make this brief quick side tangent I have these bright red fluffy slippers and this Betty Boop um, snow globe that I actually got signed by Sandy Fox, the, vo- the current VA for Betty Boop. I don't want, I never want to let these things out of my possession. Like my mom has the red fluffy slippers now, but I know that she'll take care of them. But this Betty, if, I, if anything were to happen to this Betty Boop snow globe, I would feel distraught because this was a good connection. Like me and her bonded over our love of cartoons. Like even though she, this was this eighty-year-old woman, she, we we had conversations about Betty Boob and all these classic cartoons and all that stuff. So like if Bunk Bed Junk, like I feel like if we were fighting inside the snow globe and they broke the snow globe, I would be like I I understandably I would be in Mama's position and saying. You have no idea the amount of damage you just brought uh, uh, by breaking that piano. Yeah. So, and like, sorry for the side tangent, but that's why I like, that's why I love this vi- 
this moment so much because, you know, when P- Inu starts playing the piano and she, um, and Mama sees her, she's not angry anymore. She take, she's, she snapped out of her blind rage moment and sees her baby girl playing the broken piano. Like, even though it's broken, she, this is, this, playing the piano was the one thing that the whole family, I feel like, bonded over. Like, just music. The music is probably what, what, what was a good thing that brought this adorable family together. And them silently reconciling by playing the heart of a prodigy. Oh, like, I, I cry just listening to this song. And, like, every time it plays on my phone, I, <laughs> I start crying because I'm like, dang, this really do hit. And it's, it's not even, like, a, like, it's not even, like, a whole, like, three-minute song. It's just a minute composition. So props to Fon- Fo- uh, Folk, who, um... I'm sorry if I butchered the pronunciation of your name, but props to him for this beautiful composition. And that was very lengthy, but that's why I love this moment so much, because I just love this beautiful and tender moment of mother and child silently reconciling their differences. Yeah. I, I love how we both thought of the same moments we love in this game, because that's how how much of an impact it, it put onto us. Exactly. Like, like I said that, um, I know I didn't have to go too personal, but yeah, whenever, when I see this moment, um, when I see this moment, I just think of me and my mom and like, yeah, me and my mom butt heads and we don't see eye to eye altogether. The one thing we could agree on was, going to New York, specifically Manhattan, to visit my grandmother because she, in the in the final years of her age, she had Alzheimer's. She didn't she didn't go anywhere, and that and like Mama and basically Mama and Yunu's relationship was not uh, not so different from my me and my mom's relationship. Like instead of piano, it was like arts and like academics, but generally we had the same relationship where my mom was very pride was very proud of me and like would show off be like oh my my daughter's in the scot you know has all a's and b's she's part of the honor society i can understand where you coming from but she feels stifled by her mom and that's why i just love this moment and <laughs> i swear i'm not crying but it's like god this moment can bring me to the tears yeah it it really could goodness gracious um, why don't we get to your second moment and then we'll talk. I feel like I know what's your second moment, so it's different from mine. Um, <laughs> I'm like scared if I s- say my moment and you're like, oh, that that's my second favorite moment too. No, no, no. My second favorite moment is, I, uh, like, I want to guess, but no, you ex- explain what's your second favorite moment in the game. Um... I wanted to save this for, you know, our next question, but I, I just love it so much. Um, I'd say my second favorite moment in the game is just, just the bot, the, the thing between Zook and one of my favorite characters in the game, Eve. I knew it. <laughs> Don't worry, that's not my second favorite moment, so we're good. Okay. 
So I think definitely one of the things that got me into the game was Eve's design. It just, as soon as I saw her, I knew she was going to be one of my favorites. And I was right. Because Eve is... Huh? No, no, sorry. Keep going. It's just that I could sort of see myself with Eve, especially with her backstory and stuff like that. The fact that she she's a, she's an artist, both musically and, you know, you know, she makes sculptures, she draws, she she makes art, period. Like, I, I just love her because just seeing the collectibles and the videos of her, like the first one where she was basically like making a sculpture of herself and throwing paint at it. And the fact that she covered up her pink side with makeup, it just... I was self-projecting pretty much and I I was like so sad like it's like oh god this is basically me when I was younger and seeing her design in that first video it was like I I can tell she was probably like in high school around that time it's like yep this is this is me when I was younger and in high school and I was self-conscious about the way I looked and stuff like that but this this is a favorite moment in the game. It, we're not even talking about our favorite characters yet. Um, my favorite moment in the game is, you know, since her and Zook, they used to be a thing. They were in a band. They, they dated. Just the fact that they had a, a history with each other. Like, I, I didn't expect that in the game. Like, I did not expect that. And I, I just love how they handled the whole thing. Especially after the boss fight, where it's like, yeah, they defeated her, they defeated her, but Eve just hiding herself and saying, "There's there's nobody, not even him." Like that that, that broke my heart like so bad, and I just love how Mede just looked at Zook and was like, "Yeah, you you need to talk to her," and he did. Like they reconciled, like. They didn't just, you know, oh, they defeated her, like, let's move on. Like, Zook actually ran up to her, he followed her, and they, they, they talked things out, like, listen, like, I know I ran away, and I never spoke to you ever again, and I know that, I know you still miss me, but it, it just won't work, and... I, I wish I saw the world as you did, but, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, like, I'm, I'm still trying to figure things out. Um, it, no, it's okay, take your time. It's just the fact that they, they work things out, pretty much. Like, I, I was not expecting that, and part of me part of me really thinks that, you know, the two of them, even though I can't see them getting back as a, together as a couple, like, I could see them becoming good friends. And I, I, I loved that. And I really do hope, you know, she finds somebody else and, um, that her and Mayday actually do get along and 
she stops calling her pedestrian. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I, I just love Eve, period. Like, we haven't even talked about our favorite characters yet, and I'm, I'm just going off on why I love Eve so much. I apologize. No, that's fine. That's a good segue to the next question, but first, let me talk about my second favorite moment, and then we'll get to, like, our favorite characters in the game. Yeah. So, my second favorite moment is the end of the game. Like, post, um... I forgot what you call that section, but post, um... You know, where you have to, like, give the like, NSR artists their districts back? And again, yeah. spoilers, if you haven't beaten the game, I highly recommend... Like, I feel like I'm gonna edit this in, in post, but if you haven't beaten the game... Stop right now, go go support the official release, play the game, and then come back because we're about to talk about like the end game cutscene. Yeah. That like clarifies of why this is such a great game. So I'm I'm specifically talking about the cutscene after the, you know, Mayday gives I mean Tatiana gives Mayday her old guitar. Yeah. I love that little speech at the end where Tatiana's like, you know, Strange, funny things happen in a small world like this. We all do stuff for our own reasons. Some do it for self-importance. Some do it to bond with their loved ones. Some for the, to find their purpose in life. And some do, and, and, and like, I forgot what she was saying, but the whole point of that message is talking about like, and it doesn't just apply to musicians. It does talk about like the why we do the things we love to do. That whole section it's just awe-inspiring, especially you can relate to it as a, like, whether you're a content creator, musician, athlete, doesn't matter what. If you do something with great passion, you could relate to Tatiana's speech at this moment. Because she's saying, you know, in this city, we I like to see this, this city has been prospering with so many new talent, uh, and it's, our lights have never shined brighter. You could, I, I feel like I can, um, I'm gonna get this so wrong, because this game also has a political message, but my takeaway was that fact that you never want it to be just one set of artists that control, like, one group of people that drives the control of an entire city. Like, like you can see the city represents a community, and the NSR represents a small fraction of it, how they're the influences. They're the ones who like say, oh, this is the trend now. You gotta keep up with the trend. But by the end of the game, these characters learn, like they get humbled by Mayday and Zoo learning that like, no, we should be working together. Not like being, we're not so above these other artists. We should start welcoming these different genres. It shouldn't just be EDM. We should welcome rock and all these other um, genres. So it was really nice to see that. And the fact that, like, you know, being a post-quarantine, we're not even post-quarantine, we're getting there, but not there yet. Be this game coming out during mid-quarantine, like, you know, saying we're all in this together, that hits home because, like, not, like, not in terms of, like, the quarantine, but the fact that, like, we're all a community here. We we shouldn't be pushing people down or we shouldn't be discouraging people because they do a thing a certain way. We should be working together and lifting others up and getting us off on the same page or having a, them strive better. And that's why I like the end game cutscene, especially so, and to Mayday and Zook, thank you. 
you showed me, um, like, she basically Tatiana is being thankful for Bunk Bed Junction, opening her eyes, saying, like, I may not be into rock anymore, but you showed me that rock still has a place in the city and what it means to be a musician, like, to be an artist. And us being visual artists as well, like, just being creators in general, that message hits home when you go through burnout, when you feel like you're not good enough after, like, after so much is happening with such a, like, the quarantine really sucking the the fun and, like, the social interaction in our lives, it's easy to forget that, no, we're all artists, we all, we all have a voice in this world, and we all need to, like, be heard. We shouldn't be afraid just because some voices are louder. We should be inspired by said voices just to, like, speak up and join the crowd in the sense that let's all create art together. Wow. That, that was so good. <laughs> so much because it's such a simple story but that message hits home with me because again coming out from surgery I I was drawing but like I was in an art block a serious art block and I had like self-doubt again doesn't matter if you're an artist musician anything you're gonna go through burnout you're gonna have self-doubt you're gonna have those insecurities I was going through that so hearing Tatiana's speech saying like it, um, we're all in this together you just need to remember you're trying your best and you like you need to keep creating what you're creating because even though you don't like it there's always going to be that person that supports you there's always there's always going to be people that support your art and if no one's there for you you gotta love your art you gotta be your number one fan and keep pushing to why you did it and going back I also love that moment where like when Mayday reject like it's got it's it's like this the whole, that whole section where Mayday's like oh I'm not ready we're not ready yet to join the NSR she was like I was so I was like I was so caught up in being famous that I forgot why I played music in the first place hits the nail on the the hammer uh, hits the nail on the head in terms of like every young artist needs to take this away too like specifically like younger new artists followers don't matter like yes you should like um you should draw and like keep up with your followers but the amount of followers and likes you get on your post doesn't matter it's that you had fun making that piece and that you love creating do not forget that that's what mayday's takeaway why she didn't join the nsr she wanted to be famous but that's not the sole reason if you remember in the very beginning of the game She's, she is an artist. She wants to perform on the stage, not to just provide for the community and, you know, help light up the city. She loves performing. That's what people need to remember. Whenever you feel small and feel like your art doesn't matter, you do. your art does matter. And you need to remember that you're, you're creative and you should never keep, stop trying. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't have, like, whether you have 50 followers or, like, 50,000. You need to remember that you are an artist and you need to create not just for others but for you you need to draw what you like and like keep going you may not feel like what you want to be right now but you will get there it is a journey people 
took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> no, no, then I'm gonna cry. Stop. It's like made it worse. It's like, thank you. Yeah, that, that moment too. Like, it's like, despite everything Bunk Bed Junction did, like, the, the artists were still, you know, they were still with them. Like, I, I don't know how to, how to phrase it, but despite Bunk Bed Junction, you know, trashing and, you know, hijacking their, their concerts, like, they, they were still, you know, welcoming to them. Like, hey, like, what you did, like, it, it changed for the good. And they, they were nice to them. They were nice to them. Like, they were with them. It's like, I, I, I was not expecting that at all. Like, honestly, it, it, it made me love, it made me love the game even more. It's like... Exactly. I was expecting this to be, like, a sort of, you know, Saturday morning cartoony thing where the, the villains get defeated and you don't see them ever again. But, no, like, as soon as you get to give their districts back, like, the... <laughs> Can you help me out here? Because I'm, I'm trying to find the right words for it. <laughs> So basically, like, even though we trashed their districts, we blew up their concerts and literally attacked them, at the end of the day, they managed to offer us a space at the NSR and let bygones be bygones. Basically, they they basically turned the other cheek and said, you know, it doesn't matter that you trashed us. We were jerks. We, we kind of needed to be humble. They, they were basically had an agreement where Bunk Bed Junction needed to agree that they can't just hate EDM and have to rock take over. But the NSR artists also need to understand that they can't have total control of the music industry and not think that people wouldn't think it's not fair or get stifled, you know? Yeah. But so you like that, the, even despite the fact that Bunk Bed Junction literally attacked them, that they were managed to be, like, treat each other well, like, kind of like, how Bunk Bed Junction came in clutch and let them reclaim the district and save Vinyl City while the NSR artists were so thankful that and um and offered them a spot at their own like in, in their own um group. Yeah. So I think that's what you're trying to say. Saying, yeah. Like you like the mutual understanding and thankfulness that both parties had at the end where, you know, they're thankful that they got their districts back and that Bunk Bed Junction saved their city and Bunk Bed Junction's thankful to save the city and have the NSR artists. Like, they both learned things and took things in perspective, saying, huh, you know, fuck rules, but EDM can also, they can both coexist. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It's like no hard feelings, basically. Exactly. That's why I love that moment where it's like, you're all really nice. And, like, seeing the concern, not the concern, but seeing, like, the NSR artists, like, specifically Sayu and Neon Jay be yeah. sad, <laughs> like, feel Mayday, like, Neon Jay, like, reacting to Mayday leaving, like, I gotta go, I, I, I have to process this, and it's like, y'all, <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus, Mayday, you didn't have to crush my heart like that. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. 
is why this game is so brilliant. I love it. And I feel like this is a perfect way. Speaking of characters, now we can start gushing about our top favorite characters. Like, you... The, the, uh, should I go off of my favorite character? Because since you kind of... You basically already kind of talked about Eve, but I can let you continue talking about, like, why you, like, love her. Or, or do you want me to talk about my favorite character? Um, aside from, you know, what, what I said, like, why I love her, like, her, her collectibles, her backstory, her relationship with Zook, like, just... Uh, also her boss fight was pretty cool like I, I loved how it like I said before like when you fight the other bosses it's it's their concerts but Eve's it it's just her art gallery like there's no audience it's just her and bunk bed junction and I I really love I really love the her boss theme too like all versions of it especially the EDM version of it it just yeah. <laughs> Base. Long story short, I love Eve. Eve is queen. Yes, I, I love her so much. I have no words for it. No, it's okay. You, I think you pretty much summed up why a lot of people, specifically like the art, like if it's not the artist, it's basically like other fans, like who relate to the being misunderstood. And feeling like you have no one to like confide in and that's why Eve is such a deep and such a, a fantastic character yeah it's like the, after her and you know Zook reconciled and actually talked you know instead of Zook running away and just moving on like it it, it does give me hope that there probably is somebody out there for her. There probably is somebody out there for me. Like, just because, like, it didn't work out with one person doesn't mean, like, you're never gonna find, you know, somebody else ever again, basically. It's like, it, it, it's hopeful. And it warms my heart, Stephanie. I can see. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I agree. Like, when first playing the game, Eve, to me, just felt like this over-the-top, pretentious, basically like an art school brat that I met when I went to an art school, a fancy private art school. Yeah. But she is so much more than that. Like, when people hate on... I don't think anyone hates on her, but I feel like the rare YouTube comments that, like, say, I don't see her appeal, or I don't see why people like her so much... They fail to see that she's not this over-the-top art school brat. She is this layered character with trauma and, like, um... Actual death. Actual death. She's not just a, ooh, crazy ex-girlfriend who wants revenge. No, she is this hurt individual who is an artist that felt betrayed and felt, like felt so hurt abandoned by someone who she confided in and generally like like they were you can't deny they were lovers they they had that connection and the fact that they were both like young like even though you were in college that's still she was still kind of like in that development stage in the sense of who she wanted to be in terms of identity and that's the whole point of college not just like i mean kids go you know 
college is important education but it's also the place to really find who you are as a person see the type of friends you want see the type of person you want to be what kind of habits you want to bring into your adulthood with that's what a lot of people fail to see when they hate on eve she was still finding out who she is in the world so when zook left a piece of her felt probably left with him in the sense that that was her boyfriend he left without a trace and she felt like she didn't understand what she did wrong and that's what a lot of friends can connect to a, a, a popular headcanon is that she is neurodivergent and a lot of fans that are neurodivergent relate to her yeah and while i can't say for sure that i am neurodivergent and i'm not going to disclose that you know i can speak for other neurodivergent fans um, neurodivergent fans they this is a comfort character because they can relate to struggles. They some people don't understand social cues. Some people don't understand. Oh, was that messed up? That was I word vomiting? What did I? How? Please explain to me what I did wrong. Eve didn't understand how she hurt Sue, and she didn't do it out of like. Another thing, when she put set his hair on fire, she didn't mean to do it in a sense of yes, I want to hurt him for real. No, she wanted to perform. She was one of these like experimental performance surrealist artist however she, her lack of communication with Zook ultimately ended up being her downfall because if she properly would have communicated this idea to Zook and not just have a surprise at the show they probably could have been still bandmates and that would have taken place the whole, like those straight roads probably never would have happened if they never had that fight yeah Look at me, I'm talking about Eve. <laughs> the thing is, she is one of my top five favorite characters, but she, you already know, like, if you follow my Twitter, if you follow my Tumblr, you already see my username on Discord, you you already, you already know who's my favorite character. Yeah. And I kind of talked about her in length, but let me explain, like, let me give a Cliff Notes version. Oh, God. That wasn't intentional, I swear. <laughs> Spark Notes. Yeah. Let me get a Spark Notes version of why I love Mama so much and Yinu. Like, I feel like I can't separate them. Go off. So Yinu's mom, I relate to her because you heard the term, like, you know, in your friend groups, there's always going to be, you know, the class clown, the, the bad boy, the popular kid, the drama queen. In my group of friends, I am the mom friend. Like, if I'm not the mom friend, I'm the class clown. But when I'm the mom friend, I was the shoulder to cry on. I was the I was the one who offered advice, whether it was in terms of romance or just general life stuff. I remember when I had when I went to college, there was um I had several friends that was struggling from home, struggling with school, who had things and we would just have these vent sessions where I'm like, is there anything else you want to get off their chest? And they felt better because not everyone had the luxury of like seeing a therapist and when they do like sometimes sometimes here's the thing and it's a sad truth not all counselors are going to be a hundred percent perfect some are going to be selfish some are yeah. going to be actually damaging to the mental to the mental health of these people so i tried my best to be that for them i was fortunate enough to have my own um counselor and therapist but I was willing to fill fill in those shoes for other friends and like I paid for food. I brought cooked food for my friends. 
I remember when Christmas came around, if I couldn't afford gifts, I drew them their favorite characters and made these like customized Christmas cards. And I would bring them cookies or like leftover cooking. I am that friend. Like if I'm not the class clown or the jokester, the like the goof, which uh, uh, to be fair, if you look at the way I draw myself and like the way I portray myself online, you can easily come to that assumption that I am just this silly goofball who just sprouts memes and stuff. But if you really knew me, I would be that friend like, hey, do you want to talk about it? Or do you, do you need a moment? Do you need, like, I, I'm sorry for, like, going on a tangent, but I am that friend. You're good. So Mama, even though she doesn't have a lick of, like, dialogue that outside of, you know, hey, stop messing with my child, you brats, and all that stuff. From the fact that she's a mom, I could already see. And the fact that she's a single mom takes away, because, again, I... Not to get too much personal, but I I had that um, I grew up with my with that single mom life. Like I'm not a mom myself, but I um, my mom was a single mother, so I knew what it was like for Nihu's mom, where yeah. she's like, you know, she just wants to be there for her daughter, and that's why I like her. And plus, she's so pretty. Like similar to why you like Eve's design, I just like how well she's not humanoid because she doesn't have ears. She's. I love the, her hair, her dress, the fact that she has a heart-shaped nose, like design on her face, and that like Yinu, while she looks exactly like her, like that is the case for when you have kids. They, she looks exactly like her dad. She has her mom's cheeks, like she has the, the rosy red cheeks. I don't know if that's just makeup or that's like that's actually like her face. It's just so cute. Yeah. And, I, I just love it. She's my favorite. Um, she's she's my favorite character. Like I come up with head cannons for her, and the rest is history. But let 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 me stop gushing about Mama, and let's focus on. Uh, so the next. So this is this question is a two part. Like our next question, where we talk about our least favorite character but this is this is a really easy answer if you played the game i feel like both our least favorite characters is cliff yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm oh boy cliff where, where do we even start with him i guess we could start off that like he like, you should have known he was sus. I'm sorry for using that word. But you should have known he was suspicious the moment he found Mayday's phone number. Because it's one thing to know where their lair is. Because, I mean, lair, their sewers. <laughs> because you could say that, like, oh, they, like, like, he's seen them before. And he probably ate at auntie's. And he saw them perform at their, like, um, in front of the sewer. So, that it's, like, it's not that secretive. Yeah. But again, how did he get Mayday's number? That is creepy. Like he must have been like a high. Actually, at the end of the game, it shows he was a high hi- um hiker hacker, and he most likely probably hacked into her like the cell comms, the communication telephone lines, and probably found her number that way. Yeah, that that is indeed messed up. Like, I, <laughs> like. I, I knew from the start that he was trouble. Like, it just... Especially, you know, finding out the twist in the end that Tatiana 
like was cool Fyra in, in the past. Like it, it seems like Cliff's motivation at that moment seemed more like he wanted to get revenge on her or something like that. And it, it just it just seemed petty. Like he he was basically like despite all this I was always, you know, right next to you. I was beside you. I was always rooting for you. Like what why why would you do something like this? And Tatiana basically took the words right out of my mouth and is like I I don't care about you. Like that that's your that's your own fault, dude. Like you're you're always going to people are always going to have, you know, like like hyper fans that pretend that they're like BFFs with like their favorite content creators. And in the end, like, no, they, they don't know you. Like, I, I know this sounds kind of rude, but they some sometimes they don't really care about you. And you can't just assume just because you know them and you talk to them, like, they're not, sometimes they're, they're just not going to want to be friends with you. <laughs> is, that, is that okay? No, you're fine. If anything, that's another good lesson for, like, specifically, like, the minors and the the, kid, the very young kids of this um, fandom need to know that these content creators are not your best friends. This parasocial relationship was not healthy. Because, yeah, he was his biggest fan, um, her biggest fan, but she, at the end of the day, she really didn't owe him anything. Yep. Just like, like how Tatiana said to Mayday, one... I didn't ask for your admiration. Like, yeah. she appreciates it, but you can't just be like, oh, I did this and you won't do that. It's the, it's the equivalent of a man who, like, opens the door for a girl and expects, like, a kiss. Like, no, that's yeah. not how this works. Yep. De- definitely, yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you ex- no, 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 you're, you're fine. You, you explained it perfectly. And the fact that after Tatiana, you know, dissed him, like, he just straight up hacked into the satellite and just sent it towards the NSR Tower. And I'm like, dude, like, WTF? Like, why? That You're you're basically not just destroying a tower, but you're also going to hurt and harm millions of people and cause so much damage to a city. Like, and and it also is bad because, like, they're dealing with a lot of blackouts, too. Like, I don't think they need something like this. Like, I don't think he thought this through. Like, you... <laughs> like, dog. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I just... I, I don't like Cliff at all. Like, especially with what he did in the end. And I, I, love, I love the fact that, you know... Tatiana basically punched that guy and broke his nose. Oh, that was so that was so cathartic and so needed because like again to the young listeners and the minors in this community, please do not become this person because like not even just the minors, to everyone in yeah. general. Like sorry for singling out minors and like young fans, but yeah. Don't ever be this person like I'm gonna say this right now. I love, I love all so many content creators, but I'm not gonna like DM them and be like, "Hey, I just bought your merch. 
you you need to bot like you need to like give me a clout shout out or whatever no that's not how this works and do never don't just don't be entitled like yeah if you want to be friends with them it's easy leave nice comments on their work um share their page share out that they're selling merch and be supportive because that's all you can do if you want to have like a nice and healthy relationship because once you let that relationship grow then you can be like friends and stuff but at the end of the day friendship isn't built on entitlement and like that this person like owes you something just because you've given them your attempt like you've given them your full-on support and like admiration no like that is disgusting and very toxic behavior which a lot of people not just like in fandom spaces but in general does and it's sickening because it's like at the end of the day communities like this are supposed to be fun like at the end of the day we all love this game we all love the characters and the the silly little story but don't be that person that's like hey i want like i've did so much for this i've done so much like i made so much um like i like i've i speed run or I made music for this, or I've made like tons of fan merch and fan art for this um community. I deserve like my due. Don't please don't. Yeah. And this isn't a call out to anyone specific. This is just in general. Please do not attack or like go after anyone that this is reminding you of. This is just us speaking on like Cliff's really crappy behavior at the end of the game, and that's what makes him so hateable. Because he went from being this corny, like, freaking, this corny dad type character where he says, like, spiffiest boy band, this, like, again, this typical dorky dad aesthetic, to straight up being the worst. Straight up being a creep, pretty much. Not just a creep. Yeah, I want to touch upon that, like, like you said this wasn't like what was he gonna do because did he think that like by being in the sewers he was safe probably but you still have to like like okay granted i'm gonna say that it took them like it took maybe like an hour or maybe like 20 to 30 minutes for that satellite to come into earth's atmosphere and like come towards vinyl city so yeah they would at least help he probably could have like made it back to the sewers but dude what about made it in zook's fans like okay yeah down with the NSR artists, but they're gonna they're gonna be in the um, crash site too because not everyone's gonna fit in that um, sewers. And like, dude, there are families. Like, Yinu's a kid. Sayu team, Sayu or the Weeb team are teenagers. Are you really saying that they deserve to suffer just because Cool Fire doesn't notice you, dude? Get some help. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> yeah, let's get to Michael Jordan. Stop it. Get some help. So yeah. Yeah. Long story short, Cliff is the worst. Yeah, and to anybody listening in, don't don't be a Cliff. Yeah, like I'm sorry like I generally feel bad for the Cliff fans who are like who likes him unironically. They are they do exist and know that while I don't agree with your taste in characters, you are still valid and you can still be a part of this fandom. It's just, they're the butt of all the jokes and they get bullied, so 
I'm I'm gonna say you guys are still valid, but you, I'm just gonna say why. Like after all the stuff he did, why would you like? After the thing he did, why would why do you like him? Yeah. Answer us that question. Yeah, but you know you know how some fandoms are. There's like one character that does so many bad things, but in the end they're they're still gonna have fans and. While I, while I don't agree and don't understand, it's like, okay, maybe there's something there that I'm not seeing. Yep. And I think that's a good way to end this topic of, like, I know it, it went from a side tangent of don't be that entitled toxic fan, but that's basically how our thoughts on Cliff. He was that entitled fanboy who probably, like, goes on forums, you know, being cool far as White Knight and all that stuff. Yeah. It's okay to be a fan and look to look up to somebody, but dude, in a in a healthy amount, you know. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you you took the words out of my mouth about you know Cliff and you know his mot- his quote unquote motivations, like him finding out about where Mayday and Zook live and finding Mayday's number, and just just almost destroying the city. Like, I I don't I don't like him, Stephanie. I don't like Cliff. That 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 that's it. That's all I gotta say about him. No, you are very valid in not liking Cliff. <laughs> and end of that. End of that. Let's. Why don't Why don't we move on to um, the next next question, shall we? Yes. So. The next question is, um, favorite and least favorite boss fight in the game. So, this one is funny because we both have like a favorite boss fight, but I will talk about, well, no, my, my boss fight is different from my favorite character, but, uh. You, you go ahead. Uh, okay. My favorite boss fight is the first one that starts us with the game and is a great introduction of what boss fights can be like in this game. DJ SS. DJ Subatomic Supernova. I love, like, if it wasn't for Yinu's mom, actually, no, before, a uh, si- little quick side tangent, before um, Yinu's mom, th- he was my favorite character. Like, he's still my favorite character. Like, if, like, he's number two. I'm sorry to say this, DJSS, but you are number two in my heart, but you'll always be number one in terms of boss fight <laughs> because I love his aesthetic. I love space. I love his color scheme. I love that this is this bigger... Like, he, ha- he he's a jerk. He, he um, He's a jerk with an ego, but he can back it up because he's like, yeah, I'm smart. I know I'm larger than life. What of it? He is this over-the-top DJ, and the fact that, like, okay... So to give you a brief uh, thing, in my taste in characters, I love jerks. Like my favorite characters, like I love Iron Man, I love um, Uncle Stan from Gravity Falls. What do these characters have in common? They are full of themselves, they are jerks, but deep down you know that these they're big softies with probably hearts of gold. Yeah. Because like, at the end of the game, he even admits, he's like, I guess you Plutonians aren't so bad. Like, he, he, not vulnerable, but he showed that, like, huh, like, like, he, he managed to be humble in the sense that, like, huh, you know, they are very cool, they are very, like, they, they, um, they're not so bad, like, they, 
the um uh sorry for stuttering but these Good. characters they prove themselves that they're worthy to light up the plaza to power the grand plaza so um and his music like even though that's the next question i love his track but i will get more on that later but i think what really draw me to him is his voice god mm-hmm. his voice is and the fact that like um he like i think what I, his attitude gen, like the the his general attitude of he knows he's the smartest person in the room and he will like check like fact check you on anything in his field like he is so proficient in when it comes to astrophysics and like just the star the stars and space in general that he not only lecture you but he will downright correct you if you get any details wrong and before the last thing before i let you go over talk about your favorite boss fight oh my god my favorite line when mayday is like you're done he's like your day um uh, nsr is over it's like nsr maybe my My music highly unlikely For my music will ripple to the rims of the universe and back. Yo, when he does that, I get chills. And I'm like, bro, how are you so cool? Like, I'm sorry for fangirling, but he is just so cool. Oh, my God. Yeah. Shout out to Uncle Ali for voicing such a cool character and literally being my favorite boss fight in this game. Like, I feel like... Besides, like, how lovely this game is, his boss fight really sets the standard of what the boss fights can be like in this game. And, well, some people understand it, it's, like, it's kind of cluttered, like, you know, the the moving balls can be cluttered. Like, if you, if you don't play a lot of video games, it can be a little confusing and jarring. But, oh, my God, when you get used to it and play it a couple more times, it's just so good. Like... Dude, oh my god, like I said, props to the whole team, props to the developers, and again, props to Uncle Ali for voicing such an amazing character. Yeah. Alright, I'm done fangirling. You, you, I'll let you go off on your favorite boss fight, and then we'll talk about our least favorite boss fights in the game. Okay. You know, um, I'm kind of, it's kind of funny how we're making a game about them and we haven't talked about them yet. Oh, oh my god, no, because let's be honest, when we get to their episode, that episode is already going to be like two hours long and that's probably going to be the episode a lot of people are going to want to talk about them, talk about Ten-Ten. Yeah. We will talk about them. Like I feel like that's going to go along with the next question, with their final question. Okay. Uh, um, I'll let you go off on our on our favorite K-pop boys. Yeah, I know, I know. I in the past I've said my favorite boss fight is Yinu's, which is true. But we 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 gotta give them attention. We gotta give them attention. One of my favorite boss fights in this game is I'm sorry, it, it's Ten Ten. Like, I I love them so much. Even though they, they have so little dialogue, like they, they left so, uh, so much. <laughs> okay, um, I'm I'm sorry. 
just okay, compose yourself. I was fangirling too, so you're you're fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. I love Ten Ten. The next to Yinu's boss fight, they're also my favorite boss fight because it's it's just they're 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 a boy band, but they're also robots. And if you knew me long enough, you would know I love robots so much. Whether they're mechs, androids, cyborgs, I, I love them. And the fact that they're wearing sailor suits. I, I love sailor suits. And, yeah. and you know, before knowing anything about the game and seeing like, you know, what they looked like, I'm going to be real. I straight up thought they were a Sailor Moon reference at first. Me being the weave I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. But my favorite, one of my favorite boss fights is Ten Ten. Like they're, they're a boy band. They're robots. They speak and sing in auto tune. Like as soon as they, they start talking, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to love these guys. And you know, just throughout the entire time it they're just they're just calling out attacks like the whole load and shoot and jam like i love that like i love that so much like yeah them them moving up to the camera and the fans just fangirling over them like yup if if i were to exist in this in this game's universe i'd i'd be the biggest stand for them like I, I'll, I'll admit it. Like I, I simp these guys. Can I say that word? Simp. Yeah, you know it's okay. I, um, I'll allow it. It's like as long as it's not like an f bomb, or um. Yeah, I'll allow it. It's fine. Yes, and I love, I love the fact that whenever you hit them, they make, make the funniest noises. Like one oh. of. One of their one of their hit lines is not the fa not the face. <laughs> like I think my favorite is the um. Oh, sorry for interrupting. Keep keep going. Um. And I don't know who came up with this, but the fact that they they're navy based, they're based off of the navy. That's why they're wearing their the sailor suits, like their battle stage, their concert. It's a giant limousine that's also a battleship and it floats. Like, I don't know who came up with that, but give yourself a pat on the back because that, that is so good. Like, I could, I could honestly go on hours on why I love them so much, despite them having so little lines. Like, they left a huge patch in my heart. And I'll love them till the very end. <laughs> like I, I love the aesthetic of it. I love the aesthetic of the district. It, it's perfect, Stephanie. Like they're perfect, and I, I, I wish I wish we saw more of them. But aside from Ten Ten, I also love Neon Jay. Like he he stole the show. Like, the fact that he's a cyborg war veteran who, who is also, you know, a toy maker. <laughs> I'm going off, I'm going off again. Like, j just to know, like, I love Ten Ten's boss fight. Like, I love... God. <laughs> I, 
I, I need okay. to I need to sit down because I'm going off. Like it it's it's great. Like this the setting, the stage, their their theme, like the fact that they're military themed. It like it like when I when I'm not, you know, playing the game, like I think out of all the boss fights I watch theirs the most. And I don't know why. There's just something about them that draws me in all the time. It's like I you know what, I'm gonna watch their boss fight again. Even though I've watched it and seen it so many times, like I wanna watch it again. Like I've watched their trailer so many times. I love Ten Ten. That that's that's it. That's my summary, that's my TED talk. <laughs> No, please. Honestly, no, no, you're you are valid with your feelings. Yeah, it's like whenever I play the game or when I'm not playing the game, I, I always go to their boss fight. Like it's the charm of them. It's like you 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 did good design team. You did you did good. Mm -mm. I don't blame Mayday or any fans of them at all. Mm -mm. I think. What I really like about Tencent is the fact that it's like the whole, it's a whole joke on the K-pop industry and like pop in general of how like boys can be like replaced easily because it's like different names, same concept where it's like, oh, this is a boy band, but look, they have, they have this type of boy or they have, or this is the theme of their band and oh my gosh, they're, I just love them. They're so they're dorks, but I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Now move on to your favorite boss, because we we're gonna we're probably gonna have like an, an entire episode dedicated to them, so we don't want to repeat yeah. ourselves. Yeah. No. The so my other favorite boss is Yinu's boss fight, but like so many people have like we kind of talked in length of why we like their boss fight in general and i feel like like no matter what nsr video you've watched a lot of people agree that the yinu boss fight in terms of just story and gameplay is just phenomenal of how we have this self-contained story of mother and child in within this boss fight and it ends with little to no dialogue like you don't even need dialogue to show their reconciling it's just you just let the scene play for itself and the the escalation where it's like you know first you're just fighting on the stage and then you're fighting on this clifftop then you're fighting like um then you're fighting on top and like in this like what looks like the inside of the piano but you're actually like trapped with mama as this spider-like creature it's just phenomenal and then Yinu's whole section at the end where it's just like a run and dodge section it's pretty good it's a pretty good way to end this um the fight since they didn't get to do their like grand like final finale with the yeah the showstopper yeah the showstopper that's the name i'm sorry continue <laughs> uh but Besides DJ Subatomic Supernova, Yinu's boss fight is a definite, like, they're tied for my number one spot in terms of boss fights. But I think it's time to start talking about our least favorite boss fight. And I'll let you go first, because it's ironically 
like the opposite of not the opposite of mine but like the opposite of my favorite boss fight so i'll let you go off of why this boss fight is your least favorite okay um as much as i love dj subatomic supernova i i'm sorry his boss fight is probably my least favorite of of you know the six i guess um I don't know like I get it he's the tutorial like he's supposed to draw you in on what the game is going to be like but to, to me his boss fight is I'm sorry it's kind of a little bland like you run around in the circle basically pretty much like you you whack the planets you you shoot at him you dodge his his attacks like I know I know that that's basically like any boss fight but it I don't I don't know like I feel like there should have been more with his considering he's space themed like I feel like they they could have done you know more with that concept like space is infinite but with this like yeah I get it, it takes place in a planetarium but I still think you could have done a little bit more with it my least favorite boss fight is Sai's boss fight don't get me wrong me not liking her boss fight does not mean I don't like her as a character or as a concept in general. The concept is quite inspiring, especially the fact that you literally got Hatsune Miku, but as a mermaid. And, like, you fight the digital aspects of the world. Like, the cursors are attacking you. The There's, like, shit, like, thumb, not thumb drives, um, computer discs. Like those co old ass copy discs from like the 80s and early 90s as her chips, like her microchips. And the fact that she has different forms. Look, she is generally a fun character and I love the, the uh, concept of the boss fight. But playing it is just a, t a chore because while I do like listening to her boss fight, I hate like chasing her around the stage getting hit by the by the projectiles and before anyone's like just get good no it's not about me being bad at the game it's the fact that like the platformers the platforms either get in my way or there's like issues where like i'm trying to like charge up the gun to attack said um microchip and like i get bombarded by the things and even though I could just, like, attack it physically until it breaks, I like using the gun, especially when I have it maxed out, because, like, it finish it within, like, 10 seconds. Yeah. And I think the, the like, the final funk section, which, like, the, the form itself is hilarious and just downright funny, I think is hilarious. And I love that reveal that they're like, oh, we're going to do a reverse mermaid. It's just downright funny, and that we can finally hit her. I feel like that was the best part of the boss fight. Such a shame because the rest of the boss fight just felt like a chore to do. Yeah. Right. So, Part of me kind of agrees. Yeah, so love the concept, love the song, love the character. Everything, the level design, everything is fine. I'm just not in love with the boss fight itself. Like, it, but. Like, at best, if I play it, I'm most likely going to be that person who's going to just, like, fast forward through it or just 
you know, try my best to beat it and just get to Yinu or like the next boss. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's my least favorite boss fight. Um, and I think it's per I think it's perfectly appropriate to end this music theme game by talking about our favorite track of the game. And I'm gonna let you go first since I went first last time. Hmm. Like this, this whole soundtrack is amazing. Like, it's it's difficult to pick. But, um. I'd say my favorite boss track is probably Yinu's EDM version of her her track, cause really, yeah, it's like I love all genres of music, but I I can't deny I I love EDM, which is one of the reasons why I got into the game, and I especially love dubstep too. Just just the fact that. Yinu is classical piano music, and her mom is dubstep. Despite both of those genres being so drastically different, like when they're combined, they just go so well. And that, that, that was, that was amazing. Like I love that. Especially, especially, especially the last phase. Like oh my god! Like whenever I listen to that track, I, I just. I just go ape like I bob my head so fast. <laughs> it just leaves me so hype. <laughs> like it's great. Like props to like the people who composed, you know, both the bass and, you know, the EDM versions of, of that song. Oh, and also I, I love the Christmas DLC's remix of it too. Yes. Yeah, especially the last phase. Like, oh my god. It's just, it's just chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. And I think the track that I love, like, outside of the boss fights, it's definitely, you know, the track that plays near the end of the game when you're get, when you're, when the NSR artists get their, you know, districts back. Just, just the rock music, the, the sad guitar. Like the bit when you're like in the helicopter and dodging all, dodging all the projectiles, like that part in general just, it, it sounds so emotional and I love it. It's like, whenever I get the chance to listen to that track, I, I just feel something. It, it's good. Nice. This whole soundtrack's just a bop. Yeah. Now, what's your, what are your favorite tracks, my friend? I'm, I'm surprised by the answer. I thought you were going to say, like, Eve's, like, EDM um, track. It is, but... Yeah, so, it mine is. is hard. What? I, I was just going to say, like, I have so many favorites, like, it, it's hard to choose. But, yeah. I'm going to narrate... I'm going to narrate... Oh, uh, you were saying it's so hard to choose. No, I'm in the same predicament. To the point where I have three top tracks, but I have to explain them. Yeah, go off. So, Sayu's theme is an honorable mention, but I, I, I feel I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my top three tracks. So, my first track, I'm going to talk about it briefly because I kind of talked about it when I was gushing about my favorite character, um, my favorite boss fight. Uh, 
the DJ Subatomic Supernova track, specifically the EDM version, because like I just like I just started dancing to it. The, the perfect club song. And I specifically like the vocal parts at the near the end of the song where it's like, What you waiting for? I wanna see you grooving, moving, like dancing your like your pants off. is off. I love that. Like I'm not the one to like dance, but dude, hearing that just like, all right, I need to dance. Like I gotta dance this out. And yeah. it's just so good. Like I also love EDM. And then the rock versions is just so good. So for me, uh, well, I do love e- like my second favorite track. I do love Enu's like EDM and the bass version. I gotta shout out the rock version because like the so when they play the original like Canon, I think it's Canon D. I could be wrong. I am I'm not a classical musical person, so I don't know if I'm wrong or not. But I think the song they reference is Canon by Beethoven. So when they play that, hearing the rock version of it is just so good. Like it makes me feel like, like damn, this is gonna be a fun fight. Like, oh my gosh. Yep. It gets it gets me hyped. Yeah, that that that's probably like the one word that we can use for our favorite tracks. It's just hype. So much hype. Um. And then my final favorite track, it's so hard to choose between the three of them, but my la- my third favorite song would have to be the DK West songs. Like, I want to just group them all. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count all of the DK West segments as my, like, my third favorite from the track because it's so good. Like, well, say what you will, saying, oh, I prefer the French version or, oh, I prefer the English version. Both of them slapped. Like, I like in the French version, at the, at the very end of the song, Zook's like, I think that's just him making fun of DK West. Yeah. And, you know, saying that he, like, is gonna fall. Like, I, I just love that. It's so cute. Yeah. And the whole storyline, like, we'll get to it when we get to his episode. But just the whole side story between Zook and DK West was so good. And that's why I love that we're able to, like, get character development through these three songs, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's basically a lore dump, but done well. Yeah. DK so West, DK that, West. That's my, those are my favorite tracks. Yep. Such, such a good soundtrack. As a whole. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if it's not the the compelling characters or the boss fights, this soundtrack is definitely what kept a lot of people staying. Yeah. Like, major props to the composers of, of that game. James yeah, Landino. Yeah, James, yeah. Funk Fiction. Um, Funk Fiction. Michael Staple. Um, Michael Staple. Andy, uh, Andy Tunstall. Yeah. Everybody else, you all did amazing. And honestly, not just like the composers, just the entirety of Metronomic, like the VAs, the designers, the the coders, the the PR team, everyone at Metronomic, we 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 give our greatest like gratitude in the most sincere way, in the sense that this silly game has done so much for us. It, it really has. 
So thank you for creating such a fantastic and like awe-inspiring game. Yes, thank you so much. And I don't know about you, but I feel like this is a perfect way to like end um, our first episode. Couldn't agree more, Bestie. So dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Vinyl City Indie Hour. We hope you come back and catch episode two and we'll see you around. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.